Good morning, everybody. Good morning and greetings to all of you folks who are joining us online. Thanks so much for being with us. If you got a Bible this morning, I want you to take it and go with me to the book of Galatians in the New Testament, the book of Galatians, and find the sixth chapter. We're going to be spending some time looking at Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. And while you're turning there, let me just uh, share with you once again this weekend, we're just days away from night to shine, uh, which is a special needs prom that we have been a part of. This will be our fourth year in a row to do this. We do it in partnership with the Tim Tebow uh, ministry, and it's an exciting, exciting event. It requires hundreds of volunteers. And uh, as we stand here on Sunday morning, uh, we still have several volunteer spots open. And so I'm going to encourage you once again to log on to the website and sign up if you're available, if you have a... I know, I know schedules conf- conflict sometimes and, and we get things going, but if you're free, you're available. We need some volunteers. And also, remind you, just in the commons, there's a table there uh, that has these cards, small cards about this big, and on one side, they have the Night to Shine logo. On the other side, they say a $25 gift card to Chick-fil-A or a $25 gift card to Texas Roadhouse. If you could, maybe you can't serve, but you can, you can help us out by supplying uh, one or more of those gift cards. If you want to do the $25 gift card to Texas Roadhouse, you can actually do that today before you leave at the script table in the commons, back in the corner of the commons. Uh, I don't really know what else to say this close to night to shine to encourage you to be a part. So let's just do this before we do anything else. Let's just bow together and let's just lift up night to shine. Let's just pray that um, it is just a tremendous event this year. Father in heaven, thanks so much for a chance to gather together in this place this morning and worship you and experience your presence in a community uh, among other believers. Uh, We experience your presence every day in our lives as believers, but there's something special about coming together and doing it as a body of believers, as a fellowship, as a community of faith. And we're so grateful for that, and we are so blessed by the wonderful time of worship. And now, before we look into your word, I just want to pause, and together, as one voice, I want to lift up Night to Shine. It's such an incredible event. We host this prom for special needs folks. I remember the very first one, and we had a wide uh, range of ages from teenagers all the way up to, I remember a woman who was here 74 years old, never been to an experience like that before in her life, and I remember getting a picture taken with her. What a joy that was. What a blessing it is to the families, not just of the prom goers, but to the caregivers, the moms and dads, because we celebrate and pamper them on that evening as well. You know all the needs that are before us as we count down these last few days tonight to shine. I pray that you would move and that you would uh, meet those needs, that we would get the volunteers that we need, that we, everything would fall into place. Help us to understand that we all have a responsibility as a part of your church here to be a part of this and to support this in whatever way we're able. And so convict and challenge us today, and we pray that Night to Shine 2019 is the best one yet. And we lift that up to you as one voice, one heart, one mind, and we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed and said? Amen. Amen. Let's continue to pray for Night to Shine in the days to come. We're in the third and final week of a very brief New Year's series called Straight Ahead, and what I've been doing is spending a little bit of time talking about things that we need to focus on, or maybe I should say refocus on, to make sure that in this new year, we're moving straight ahead toward the life that God has called us to. We began a couple of weeks ago from Romans chapter 12, and we talked about having a new perspective in the new year and making sure that we renew our minds. That's where our new perspective begins. And we talked about renewing our minds and the way we see ourselves and the way we see others and the way we see our circumstances. And then the next week, last week, 
We looked at Hebrews chapter 12, a great passage of Scripture there, and we talked about the power of persistence and the fact that nothing significant happens in our lives apart from persistence. And that's not just true in our physical daily lives, but that's very true in our spiritual lives as well. Well, this weekend we're looking at Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10, and then a brief passage from Psalm 34 to talk about the necessity of understanding that the Christian life is a day-by-day journey. And when we finish this uh, message today, I want to just remind you that next weekend we'll return after a pretty long hiatus, we're going to return to our verse-by-verse study of the Gospel of Matthew. We began that study all the way back in 2016. But last fall, we kind of had to take an extended break because we had some significant things we needed to do on the calendar. And we, we went all the way up to Matthew chapter 17. So we'll pick it up in Matthew chapter 18. And I'm excited about getting back to that verse-by-verse study. I went back and uh, listened to some of the messages that I had preached from Matthew chapter 17. Oh, they were so good. And then... <laughs> I, uh, I looked ahead, I read in my Bible uh, the past, through the passages we're going to be talking about, uh, beginning with Matthew chapter 18, and honestly, I can't wait to hear what I have to say about Matthew chapter 18, <laughs> so I hope that you'll be with us next weekend. But we're going to talk about uh, the reality that life, the Christian life, is a day-by-day journey. One of the great tragedies of life is how many of us often settle for less than the best of what life has to offer. And what I mean by that is we settle for acquaintances rather than developing strong friendships. We settle for jobs that bring us a paycheck rather than pursuing a calling or a a purpose. When it comes to our spiritual lives, oftentimes we'll settle for just occasional church attendance or an occasional commitment to deeper things when it fits into our schedules rather than that full and that deep and that abundant life that Jesus promises. One of the verses of Scripture that I reference quite a bit here in my preaching is uh, John chapter 10 and verse 10 where Jesus one day said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And so whenever I think about that verse, the logical question is, how do I live in a way that creates that full life that Jesus promises? And there are a lot of ways you can answer that question, but I'm just going to focus my attention on one way because it resonates so strongly with one of the most significant things that I believe deep in my heart about being a Christian, about the Christian life. And so I want you to write this down somewhere in your notes. We discover how to live the full life that Jesus promises when we embrace the truth that life is a day-by-day journey. That's so significant. I want to read it again, and this time I want you to read it with me. I want to hear your voices. We discover how to live the full life that Jesus promises when we embrace the truth that life is a day-by-day journey. Listen. If you've been a Christian any length of time, you know that there are moments in our lives when we experience the presence of God in powerful ways. It happens sometimes in deep and moving times of worship. It happens in moments of great joy and celebration. It happens in those moments when we're overwhelmed by the goodness of God, by the love and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God. It can even happen in our lives in painful moments when we are broken when our brokenness draws us close to God. There are specific times in all of our lives when we feel and experience the presence of God in powerful ways. But here's what I want you to understand. While those are great moments, those are great moments of faith in our lives, we need to understand that those aren't the moments that create that full life 
that Jesus talks about because the full life that Jesus talks about, the full life that Jesus promises us is not a life that's focused on moments. It's a life that's focused on days, every day, day by day by day. He doesn't promise us a full life that we experience only in certain moments. He experiences us a full life that we can experience day by day by day. When we have those moments where we experience the presence of God in significant and powerful ways, we oftentimes call those mountaintop experiences. You know what I'm talking about, right? You ever been to church camp when you were a kid? It was a mountaintop experience. Uh, Christ in Youth Conference as a teenager, it's a mountaintop experience. If you grew up like I did, going to church and going to revival meetings, mountaintop experiences every single Sunday at Mount Pleasant Christian Church. Mountaintop experience, at least this side of the pulpit. I don't know how it is for you. But if we think about that just with that physical illustration, a mountaintop experience, we think about standing on level ground looking at the mountaintop. You don't go from level ground to the mountaintop in one gigantic leap. You go from level ground to the mountaintop step by step by step. And that's why I'm telling you the Christian life that leads to the full life that Jesus promises is a day-by-day-by-day journey. And that's what we need to understand. Have you ever heard or read about those in incredible stories where somebody was able to find extraordinary, almost supernatural strength because of some crisis situation. Some guy lifts a 500-pound boulder off of his friend during a rock climbing accident, or a mother lifts the back end of a car off of her teenage son when he's underneath and he was changing a tire, and somehow the car fell off the jack, and she was able to lift the entire car off of him. And we ask ourselves, how in the world does something like that happen? And it's always explained by some sudden burst of adrenaline that enables you to do something extraordinary in that moment. But none of the people who've experienced that kind of phenomenon and demonstrated that kind of extraordinary faith, or excuse me, strength in that moment will go out the very next day and join the Olympic weightlifting team because what happened was something that happened to them once in that moment. If you want to be an Olympic weightlifter, you won't get there with a one-time burst of Adrenaline, you'll get there by going through the day-by-day-by-day discipline of lifting weights and building strength over time because there's power in repetition. And that's really what I'm talking to you about. If you want to experience the abundant life, the full life that Jesus promises, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full, it's not about moments. It's about day-by-day-by-day repetition of doing the right kinds of things That's what helps us experience that full, that abundant life. Now, I can just imagine somebody giving me a little pushback at this point and saying, Pastor, I don't really agree with you because how could something as mundane and dull and mind-numbing as repetition lead to a full life? Well, you know what? Repetition doesn't have to be mundane and dull and mind-numbing, not if it's purposeful and not if it's focused. 
Let me try to illustrate that with a single verse of Scripture written by the Apostle Paul. I'm going to put Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 up on the screen. Paul uh, writes and says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Debauchery is just, it's not a word we use very often. It's a word that just means excess. It means no boundaries in, in terms of what you do and what you pursue. And it's focused mostly on immoral things. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, I want to think about this last phrase for just a moment, be filled with the Spirit. If you look that up in the original language of the New Testament and you read it in its literal form, its literal translation in the Greek, this is how that last phrase reads. It reads, be being kept filled with the Spirit. You should write that down in your notes somewhere, or better yet, you should find Ephesians 5.18 in your Bible, and you should write that down in the margin of your Bible next to that verse. That last phrase literally translated is this, be being kept filled with the Spirit. What's the significance of understanding that? Well, the significance of understanding that is Paul is telling us that being filled with the Spirit is a continuous action. He says, be being kept filled. I looked this up in the MacArthur commentary, New Testament commentary of Ephesians, and he says that this has got to be a a conscious continuation. Being filled with the Spirit is a conscious continuation in our lives as believers. And so that means the biblical command to be filled with the Spirit involves a certain amount of spiritual repetition, something that we do over and over again day by day by day by day. The word there, fulfilled, in the original language of the New Testament is the Greek word plerao. And literally, it means living under the influence of the Spirit. Practically speaking, it means controlled. It means being controlled by the Spirit. I know there's a lot of misunderstandings in the church today about what it means to be filled with the Spirit because different churches teach different things. I don't have time to go into the detail of that explanation, but I will tell you this. From a pure linguistic or language standpoint, to be filled with the Spirit means that you're controlled by the Spirit. That means you've got to live your life in a certain way every single day, day by day by day, that allows the Holy Spirit to control every aspect of your life. I'm talking about your every thought, your every word, and your every action. But in order for that to happen, again, you've got to make certain spiritual choices, and you've got to make those spiritual choices about your life every day, day by day by day, day by day by day. And so, when we ask that question, What kind of life do I have to live in order to experience the full life that Jesus offers? Then you have to live a life of repetition, spiritual repetition. There are certain things that you have to do, spiritually speaking, in your life day by day by day. And that's what leads to the full life that Jesus offers. And that brings us to Galatians chapter 6. So, if you're able this morning, go ahead and stand with me for the reading of the Scripture. That was a little bit longer of an introduction than we normally do. But go ahead, you got a little bit of time to sit, now you get to stand, because I'm not just concerned about your spiritual life, I'm concerned about your cardio health and all kinds of things like that. I'm going to read verses 7 through 10, you follow along. Paul says, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked, a man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction, the one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. 
Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. All right, there it is. You can be seated. As always, we ask God's blessing on the reading and the hearing of His words. I'm sure most of you are familiar with those words. Let's just call what Paul writes about here in this passage, the law of the harvest, and let's define the law of the harvest like this. The law of the harvest is you reap what you sow. Say that with me. You reap what you sow. And every single day, every single one of us are sowing seeds into our lives. Every day we are, whether we know it or not, every day we are doing that. They can be seeds of health, they can be seeds of love, they can be seeds of prosperity, they can be seeds of success, or they can be seeds of poverty and seeds of pain and seeds of failure and even seeds of death. But every single day, we're sowing seeds into our lives. And the Bible says that the seeds we sow ultimately determine the harvest that we reap. In fact, look back at verses 8 and 9. Paul says, the one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. That doesn't sound like anything I want. How about you? But then he goes on to say, the one who sows to please the Spirit, and that's the Holy Spirit. Notice there in your Bible, it's Spirit with a capital S, right? Everyone say right. (laughs) From the Spirit will reap eternal life. That sounds much better. So it's pretty clear we need to be sowing the right kinds of seeds into our lives. We're already doing it, whether we know it or not. We're sowing seeds into our lives every single day, so let's make sure we're sowing the right kind of seeds into our lives. And this is something we need to be doing, again, day by day by day. And that's how we find and experience the full life Jesus offers us. And so, let me just do this. I'm going to just take my remaining time, and I'm going to give you three simple but very clear and powerful instructions on how we can do this, how we can sow the right kind of seeds into our lives, which leads to the right kind of harvest, that abundant, that full, that deep life Jesus promises. If you'd like to take notes, write down next to number one. The first thing you've got to do is you've got to plan your harvest. Write those words down. You've got to plan your harvest. We already know that the law of the harvest is very simple. It's you reap what you sow. We need to plant our harvest. Now, sowing seeds, practically speaking, is not something that I have a lot of personal experience with. I don't. The most experience I have with literally planting seeds is planting some trees in the yards of the different houses that Sandy and I have lived in. The other night I was on my computer and I thought, you know what, I, I wonder if, if uh, I'd like to find the first house that we ever lived in. It was in Houston. And so I remember the, the street name, but I couldn't remember the exact address. And I asked her if she remembered the exact address and she didn't remember it. And I searched and I couldn't find it. And the next day, how many of you know, has this ever happened to you? It just pops into your head, boom, like that. You're not even thinking about it. And boom, I just, that's it. It popped in my head. So that night when I got home, I pulled it up Zillow and I put in the address and there it was, the very first house that we ever lived in. It was a horrible little house. <laughs> Anybody have a first house experience like that? It was, a, it was just a little over a thousand square feet and it was just, every time the air conditioner came on in Houston, Texas, which was all the time, the whole house shook like that. And uh, all, the, all the finishes were as cheap as they could be. I think we paid $58,500 for it somewhere in the early 80s. And get this, the interest rate for the mortgage was 12.5%, which sounds crazy to a lot of you today, but if you're old as I am, you remember back in the early 80s, you're lucky that it wasn't 18 or 19%. Remember what interest rates were like back then? And uh, anyway, I got sidetracked there. Uh, <laughs> I planted a tree in the front yard of that house, 
And it, the most amazing thing to me was how big that tree was now all these years later. All these years later, how big that tree was. In fact, the house was so small and the tree was so big that pretty much all you saw was the tree. It's about all the experience I have when it comes to the practical, practical aspect of sowing seeds. But I do know this. I do know that whatever you plant is what you're going to grow. I mean, you can't plant tomatoes and grow cucumbers. Whatever you plant, whatever kind of seeds you sow, that's what you're going to get. And so as believers, as Christians, we need to be very thoughtful about the kind of seeds that we sow into our lives. Remember, we're doing it already every single day, whether we know it or not. And so we need to be very thoughtful about the kind of seeds we sow into our lives. So let me just ask you this question, real simple. What do you want most out of life? Think about that for a minute. And I know that we got all different ages and all different seasons of life represented here. But as you think about your life, as you look at your life, where it stands right now today, whatever season of life you're in, and you look down the road at your future, what do you want out of your life? What do you want? I'm going to open my Bible to Psalm 37. Just listen for a moment. This is one of my favorite psalms. David wrote this psalm. And I'm just going to read just a, a few verses, like beginning in verse 3. David writes and says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Here's verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Now, I'd like to read more because I love this psalm, but I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to go back to verse 4. Listen to it again. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What do you want most out of life? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. How are we to understand those words? Well, David isn't saying that God is going to give you the desires of your heart. He's saying that God is going to give you the desires of your heart. Does that make sense? That doesn't make any sense, does it? Think of it like this. David isn't saying that God is going to give you all the things. Everyone say things. All the things your heart desires. He's saying that God is going to give you the specific things your heart will end up desiring. He's going to give you the desires that you feel in your heart. If you delight yourself in the Lord, then God is going to give you the things that you're going to end up desiring in your heart. And so a great test of where we are in our spiritual lives is to sit down sometime and make a list of the things that our heart desires. That's another way of saying the things that you want out of life. And when you do that, if you were to do that, here's the most important thing. Be honest about it. Don't spiritualize it. Don't make a list of the things that you think God wants to see. You be honest about the reality of your life and where you are. And it's important for you to be honest about where you are in your life and what you want for two reasons. First, because this is not something that you can fake. You can't sit down and make this list that would be like the most spiritual thing that anybody ever wrote about the things that you desire in your life, the things that you want out of life, and then go live your life in a way on a practical level that's completely contrary to that. You can't fake this, so you got to be honest. And the second reason why you got to be honest is if you're someone who is really, genuinely, honestly delighting, trying to delight yourself in the Lord, and there's something on your list that doesn't fit with that, then God's going to reveal that to you, and God's going to deal with it. God's going to get your attention about that, and he's going to find a way to replace that with something that's more fitting, with something that is more in line with someone who 
delights themselves in the Lord. So be honest. Sit down and make a list of the genuine desires of your heart, the things that you want out of life. And when your list is complete, there are a couple things you have to do. First, you have to ask yourself this question, do the things on my list fall within the boundaries of God's will for my life? In other words, are there, are there things on my list that are, in con, that are contrary, in conflict with what the Bible reveals that God wants for my life? So are there selfish things on my list? Are there worldly things on my list? Worldly, temporal, no eternal value. Are there things on my list that the Bible literally says is contrary to what his will is for me? And when that's all done, you look at your list and then you ask this question, am I sowing the kinds of seeds into my life that will result in this kind of harvest? Because remember, when it comes to sowing seeds, whatever you plant is what you're gonna get. You can't plant one thing and expect a harvest of something completely different. And that brings me to point number two, right down on your outline number two. Once you plan your harvest, now the responsibility that you have is to sow your seed. See, you've looked at your list and you've, you've been honest about it and you've, you've kind of, you've, you've put it through the scrutiny of what the Bible reveals. I mean, how many of you know that the Bible has a will for us and a certain aspect of God's will for us is, is the same for all of us? I'm not saying God doesn't have a specific will for you in your life and the circumstances of your life, but I am telling you that God's will is universal in that it's the same for all of us in many ways. God wants all of us to be saved, right? God wants all of us to be filled with his spirit, right? God wants all of us to pray, right? God wants all of us to discover our spiritual gifts and then use those spiritual gifts to build up the body of Christ, and you can go on and on and on. And so when I say you put it through the filter of the scriptures, those are the kind of things that you look at, the things that God wants for all of us. So once you've got this list plowed down now and you've narrowed it out, you've been honest about it in, on, in every level, then you look at it and you ask that question, are these the kinds of seeds that I'm sowing into my life day by day by day? And here's my guess for all of you. And it's my guess for all of you because it's the same for me. The answer is probably going to be no, not completely. You can maybe look at one or two things and say, yeah, I'm sowing those seeds, but you can look over here at something that your heart desires or something that you want out of life, and you could honestly say, you know what, I'm not sowing any kind of seeds in my life day by day by day that's going to result in that kind of harvest. Let's say that you put on your list that you want to experience spiritual growth and spiritual maturity, which is certainly something you can experience in your life. None of us are ever going to be, uh, grow to the point where we're so spiritually mature that we've arrived and there's nothing left. None of us, as long as we live in this sinful fallen world encased in sinful fallen flesh, none of us are ever going to get there. But let's say that you put spiritual growth and maturity there in your, on your list. It's something you can experience. So the question is, are you sowing the kind of seeds into your life day by day by day that results in spiritual growth and maturity? Are you sowing seeds of, 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 of quiet time alone with God every day? Are you sowing seeds of reading and studying your Bible, memorizing it, making it a part of your life, letting it get inside of you to guide you and protect you? What did David write in, Psalm, in the Psalms? He said, thy word have I hidden in my what? You remember? My heart that I might not sin against you. See, it's not enough just to have God's Word. God's Word's got to have you. It's got to be inside of your heart. Are you sowing the kind of seeds that lets that happen? 
Are you praying? Is praying, you have a, a regular time where you're talking to God and you're pouring out your heart to Him and, and, and He is revealing things in your life that need to change and, and, and it's a, a growing, strengthening, building process. Are you, are you an active, responsible part of a local body of Christ where you're coming to church on a consistent basis so you can worship Him with other believers and you can be taught from the Scriptures and you can uh, be around other Christians where you can exercise the one another instructions of the Bible, love one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, and on and on and on. You don't do those things in isolation. Are you sowing the kind of seeds day by day by day into your life that are going to re result in spiritual growth and maturity? Maybe you put financial peace on your list. Are you sowing the kind of seeds that lead to financial peace in your life? And once again, are you sowing them day by day by day? I've met a lot of people who think that financial peace and financial security is going to somehow just fall into their lap one day. And that doesn't happen for very many people. In fact, friends, I can't tell you after almost 40 years of ministry how many people I've talked to about finances and they hung their whole financial future on the possibility of receiving an inheritance from someone. But that doesn't always happen. That doesn't always happen. We're talking about sowing the right kind of seeds into your life day by day by day. In other words, we're talking about repetition, which I told you from the beginning is the key to discovering that full life that Jesus offers. We talked about Ephesians 5.18 earlier where Paul says to be filled with the Spirit. And I told you the little, literal translation in the original language is he's saying be being kept filled, which describes a continuous action, something that you have to do over and over again, something that's repetitive. Let me give you another example right here from Galatians chapter 5. In fact, you can probably look just across the page from where your Bible is open to Galatians chapter 6 and read Galatians 5.16 where Paul begins that verse by saying, so I say, live by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. Maybe if you've got an older translation than NIV like I've got, it says walk by the Spirit. Doesn't matter whether it says live or walk. It's the same word in the original language. It's the Greek word peripateo. Peripateo. And what it means is it means conduct. It's talking about conduct. So when it says live or walk by the Spirit, it's, it's talking about the, a certain kind of conduct that we need to demonstrate in our lives every day as believers. And the significance is that it's written in the present tense, which means, once again, just like with Ephesians 5.18, Paul is talking about a continuous, ongoing, regular action. He's talking about repetition. He's literally saying, so I say, keep living by the Spirit day by day by day by day. Listen to me. There's nothing, not one single thing that you can substitute for healthy repetition when it comes to sowing the seeds of your harvest, which is the desire of your heart, into your life. There's nothing better than repetition because that's something we need to do over and over again, day by day by day. And that's how you experience the full life Jesus offers. You don't experience the full life that Jesus offers just by showing up to church, even if it's the best church service you've ever been a part of in your whole life. You might experience it, but just for a brief time. Because once you walk out the door and get in your car and you drive home, it's gone. You don't take that feeling with you all the time. This is something you've got to be involved in doing in your life, sowing the right kind of seeds into your life, sowing seeds to the Spirit into your life 
over and over again, day by day by day. Say that with me, day by day by day. There's nothing you can substitute for that. And if you look at your life as a Christian sometimes and you think, man, what is missing? Why do I feel so empty? Why don't I feel energy? Why don't I feel vibrancy? Why don't I feel the presence of God in my life? Then maybe it's time to look at the kind of seeds you're sowing into your life. Because all of us are sowing seeds into our lives every day. but they might not be the right kind of seeds. Let me give you a third point real quickly. I just have a few minutes left. The third thing you've got to do is you've got to trust in the harvest. Trust in the harvest. I'm looking back at Galatians chapter 6, and I'm going to zero in on verse 9 for just a moment. Paul writes and says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I, I will tell you that this is, this is the verse that I have clung to my entire life as a pastor. That's my verse. That's my pastor verse right there. And here's why. How many of you know that sometimes doing good will wear you out? How many of you know that's true? Doing good will wear you out. How many of you have ever had the experience of coming to the beginning of a new year and having this time of reflection, looking back, looking forward, thinking, you know what, I need to make some adjustments in my life, and you make some commitments, and you make some goals, you set some goals, and you start on the path to reach those goals, and you do it, and you do it, and you do it, but then what? It gets burdensome after a while, doesn't it? It, it, it makes you grow tired after a while. It wears you out after a while, doing good, trying to do the right thing, this repetitive day-by-day-by-day uh, day day commitment to the right thing sometimes wears you out. But when those moments come, here's what we remember. We remember, Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good. Now, here it is, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And so, when you get to feeling worn out and tired and burdened by the repetition of doing the right thing day-by-day-by-day, by day by day, the repetition of sowing the right kind of seeds into your life day-by-day-by-day, by day by day, here's what keeps you going. You trust in the harvest because the promise of Scripture is whatever seeds you sow, that's the seed you're going to harvest. That's the result that you're going to get in the end in your life. It doesn't always come in our timing. How many of you know that? It doesn't come in our timetable. But that doesn't mean it won't come. And so you have to trust in the harvest and not lose heart. So you've got to plan your harvest. You've got to sow your seeds and you got to trust the harvest. Let me, let me ask you this. If you were to take a, and we'll close. Phil, you can come and we'll close. If you, will take, if you were to take a long, hard look at your life, and you would look at every aspect of your life, starting with like your schedule, the commitments of your life, the affections of your life, where you're spending your time and your energy, and you were to really be honest about that, and you ask yourself this question, does my life, every aspect of my life, reflect a full-time commitment to the life that God has called me to or a part-time commitment? What would your answer be? Uh, maybe I should just say it like this. If you looked at every aspect of your life, I'm talking about your schedule, the way you spend your time, your commitments, the affections of your life, and you ask the question, does my life reflect a full-time commitment to Christ or a part-time commitment, what would your answer be? 
What would your answer be? We're going back to the Gospel of Matthew next week, and one thing that we learn from the Gospel of Matthew and all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is that Jesus never, not one single time, ever allowed for a part-time commitment from anyone. With him, it's all or nothing because he knows the blessing that comes from that all-in, full-time, complete commitment. And he wants nothing less for you or for me than the absolute best.